Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please make sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us on whatever streaming service you are listening on. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today, we are sitting down with Scotty McCreary. It's been 10 years since he won American Idol back in 2011. He recently released his new album, Same Truck, which is really influenced by home, family, and faith. We had the chance to talk to him about how those three things have not only influenced his musical journey, but how they have influenced the album. So please enjoy our conversation with Scotty McCreary. I wanted to make sure there's no animosity between us. I just wanted to lay it out on the floor. I was born just outside of Calgary, Alberta. So lifelong Flames fan. Uh, okay. <laughs> all good, man. All so don't good. hold it against me. <laughs> I, I will. I cannot hold that against at all. That's too funny. I do love my cane, though. I do love my cane. I love the throwback Hartford jersey. That's awesome. Isn't that, I think that's like the best logo in sports, man. It's such a cool logo. <laughs> so did you, were you a, a Whalers fan before or was it like when they moved to Carolina, that's when you really took over? So I think they moved in like 1999, 2000. And so I was born in 93. So, I mean, I was six years old when they moved. Um, so I, I'm not sure I was too much of a fan of any sports team at that point. But, <laughs> but once they came to Raleigh, originally it was Greensboro. That was, uh, it's like, okay, that's, that's our team now. So. Yeah. that's awesome and so new album same truck now there is really three main themes that i find on this album there's home there's love and there's faith and so country music made me is about following the journey of a musician and so i want to follow that journey of how those three things have influenced you and then talk about how that journey has influenced the album at the same time. So I want to go back to a time when I think you were about three or four, you can correct me if I'm wrong. And you received a book from your grandma about how to be like Elvis. Now tell me how that influenced your journey at that young age. Oh, it's huge. I mean, that was kind of my first dive into to music and uh, Elvis, he just captured me, man. It was uh, everything he did, I wanted to do. The songs he sang, I was I was running around the house singing "Hound Dog" and "Blue Suede Shoes," and I was curling my lips and you know <laughs> swiveling my legs and um, you know all that stuff. He he was just such a captivating entertainer. So um, I read that book and I I did. I wanted to be like Elvis, and that kind of started the uh, started the flame for me. And in 2013, you had the chance to make your first trip to Graceland. And then in 2018, you had a chance to be part of sort of flipping the switch on their holiday celebration. So what did those mean to you being such a big Elvis fan? It's humongous. You know, I, I, if you're an Elvis fan, you want to go, go to Graceland and, and see where the King lived and, and how he lived. And um, so to go the, for the first time, I mean, I was uh, the tour should take an hour, an hour and a half, and it probably took me two to three because I was just stopping and like taking it all in, you know. And um, and then to be asked back to help flip the switch to turn the Christmas lights on, I was there with Marty Stewart, and um, it was just a pretty pretty amazing night for me. And got to sing his Christmas song, uh, uh, Christmas, you know, uh, Santa Claus is back in town. So uh, 
yeah, it was just so cool. And I got to meet Priscilla when I was on Idol back in the day. And um, so all those things were humongous for me. That's awesome. Now let's talk about the musical bug. Aside from Elvis, you got your first guitar from your grandparents and I believe started lessons around the uh, fourth grade. I think it was. Now, when did the bug really catch? Do you remember a time where it started to become something that, you know, this is what I want to do in my life. This is what I want to be. Yeah. You know, it was, it was still pretty early on. It was right around when I was getting my guitar and I would, uh, I'd be singing for friends and family and I could see them enjoying it. I could see them smiling. I could, I could see them having a good time. And, um, you know, I was at that point probably playing them like sweet home Alabama was one of the first songs I learned on guitar and I was singing it for them. And, um, I just love to see people smile. I love to see people happy. And if my music could do that, I was like, all right, this is awesome. So I started playing coffee shops when I got in my teenage years and different showcases. And I just loved, I just love being on stage. And that's opposite than normal me. Cause like, if I go to a party, I'm the guy in the corner of the room, you know, just drinking Kool-Aid by himself. I don't like to be the center of attention, but for some reason I, I do enjoy being on stage. Yeah, that's an interesting thing that I find with a few musicians that I talk to is that in public, yeah, they're really reserved. But when they hit the stage, it's just that that switch that goes off and that's their time. Yeah, yeah it's it's so strange. It's like that's another it's another person on stage. Right. It's like, well, that ain't me. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's like it feels like home when you're up there. I feel, I feel comfortable on stage, which is unique. It's different, you know. And talk to me about Clayton Idol. I want to know about this. What age was that when you took part in that? It was 2009. I think I was 15 years old at that point. Um, 15 or 16. But yeah, I, I, uh, I was, again, too nervous to even sign up for that thing. Like my parents had to forge my signature on the sign up sheet because they were like, you're going to do this. You're, you're made for this. And I was too nervous. But um, eventually got up there and, uh, you know, I sang, uh, my favorite Jamie Johnson song in color. And, uh, I, I didn't know what to expect, but, you know, everybody kind of, it seemed like I had a great time and then, uh, ended up winning the whole thing. And I, I was like, Oh my goodness, there might be, there might be something to this, but I, it was still a blur that night just cause I was such a nervous wreck. <laughs> <laughs> and so did, how did that contest help? in guiding you to American Idol. If you hadn't have done that contest and got that experience, would you have had the confidence to go to the American Idol auditions? No, I think that was the first time. I mean, cause there were other talented kids in that. Now, granted it was a hometown thing. It's not like they were pulling from everywhere, but there were some really talented kids in there. So for me to um, have been awarded with the win for that night, um, I was like, Oh wow. Like people actually appreciate, you know, me singing some country music. So it definitely gave me a confidence boost and, and helped me in my audition and, and wanting to audition. You know, had I, had I not won that thing that I would, I have even auditioned for American Idol. I'm not even, I'm not sure. Probably wouldn't have honestly. And you talk about being comfortable on stage, but during those auditions for American Idol, what were those like? Because you're just singing in a room. I know before you get to the celebrity judges, you have to go in front of the producers or, or some of the team of American Idol. So what were those like in your nerves and sort of working past those nerves? Yeah, uh, very, again, nerve wracking. It's you only have 30 seconds, you know, if that they might cut you off before. So, um, you know, you have to pack a big punch in a small amount of time, show them what makes you unique and 
Um, for me, it was a lady named Katie Finley, um, a red-haired, red-haired producer for Idol. Um, and she was the first one that ever heard me sing Your Man, the Josh Turner song. And um, they always have a competition. Like at, the, at that point, they were doing auditions in the arenas. And it's like, which producer can find the winner? And so she said she had an idea that I might do well. So she took a picture with me uh, that day. And I was like, I just want to have this just in case. And uh, it was pretty pretty cool but yeah it's it's like three rounds of producers before you ever see that the celebrity judges right and going into that did you know who you were as a musician like did you know inside or almost on the outside were you trying to almost play a role of what you thought people wanted you to be you know I, I knew that I wanted to sing country music that was that was a passion of mine it's what I grew up singing and what I grew up listening to and uh you know, that's what I wanted to do. Now, granted, did I know what I wanted to sing afterwards or who I was as an artist and how I wanted to say it? No, I, I think I had to grow up for that and learn a little bit more. But I knew country music was going to be my path. And is it true? I think I read somewhere that you said you one of your first performances on Idol was the first time you had actually held the mic on stage. Before that, like, was it always on the mic stand or is that sort of... Did I misread that? No, that's that's right on. And, and as far as I can remember, you know, I always was playing the guitar by myself, accompanying myself. So the mic was always in in the stands. So, yeah, I, I held the microphone a little sideways and funky. And uh, the producers on the show hated that because they didn't think it was getting the full, uh, you know, effect of the microphone. But, um, yeah, that was again, I was just learning, you know, as I went for sure. And when you look back on those first performances, like, honestly, what do you think when you watch those back? Yeah, I, I, I don't go back and watch them too much because I was just <laughs> so goofy and I, I just had no clue really what I was what I was doing. I was uh, learning. So um, it's fun to look back on. I mean, I, I was 17 years old. I mean, going through my teenage years in front of the nation looking <laughs> young and goofy. But uh, but, yeah, I definitely had a lot of learning to do for sure. Now, after you won, you went back to Garner for the victory parade and the event. Now, I saw in a newspaper article that they estimated that there are around 30,000 people at that event. Now, in 2011, when you won, Garner had a population of around 25,000. So you had more than your entire community out to that event. What was that like? Um, it was pretty, uh, pretty spectacular. And it, it was the biggest crowd I think I've ever seen. Uh, it was felt like the Beatles or something was in town, <laughs> but, um, you know, Garner was such a, a special place for me. And we went back there for, uh, the Friday, the album came out and got to say, Hey to everybody. So, um, it's, it'll always be special that day, you know, will will forever go down as one of the best days of my life. Josh Turner surprised me that night or at, at the show. And, um, just getting to see friends again after being kind of pulled away from them for a great reason. But like, you know, at, at that age, like you see your friends every single day and all of a sudden you don't see them for three months. It's like, Oh my gosh. Um, it was a very emotional day for sure. And so that kick started everything you won in 2011. And then in 2013, two years later, you were sitting on a tour bus outside the venue where you auditioned for idol. Now those two years, do you remember anything from those two years or is it just a blur? Uh, I remember the, the big uh, highlight moments. Like we got to sing 
at the national anthem at game one of the world series. And I got to do the Macy's day parade. And I mean, there were, there were so many uh, amazing moments packed into that first year or so. And we got to do Ellen. We got to go tonight show. And, um, but yeah, that, I think we were on tour with Brad Paisley at that point and yeah. getting to uh, play that arena again. And um, I think I even gave a meet and greet to the fan that was sitting in my seat up in the upper deck the day I auditioned and brought them down to say, Hey, so uh, that was a cool moment for sure. That's awesome. And I saw a post from, I think it was around that time you posted in the morning that you were going to be watching taken two with your band. And then the afternoon you went for an ice skate. And then at night you were sound checking for, I believe it was the Brad Paisley tour. Now it feels like life was pretty simple for you back then, even though it was so crazy. Yeah, you know, I think even though I was getting to live this amazing dream and, and singing in front of thousands of people, I was still a kid, you know, I was still growing up and going through those years. And I wanted to go to the movies. I wanted to go ice skate. I wanted to go do the, those things that any, you know, body that age would want to do, even though at, at, at night, you know, it's like a turn from Bruce Wayne to, to Batman or something, <laughs> you know, put on that and I get to go on stage and, and go perform. But during the day I was, I was, still and still think of myself as pretty normal that's awesome and was there a moment sort of between 2011 and 2016 where you released your sophomore album that it kind of clicked in what you were doing and that you were living your childhood dream or were things just going so quickly that you didn't really have time to stop and take it all in no, I think I definitely had a better grasp on what I was doing for that for that second album. The first one we made so quick and, you know, it was like, hey, here's some songs, put them on a record, let's go. Um, the second one was like, hey, let's make a full body of work here. Let's write some songs and let's try to to, to make a really cool project here. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely had a better grasp of things then. And so in 2018 was when things sort of really started to change. You had left the record label coming into your, into your third album. And the big point was you sang five more minutes at the Opry. That was sort of, even though American Idol was life-changing, that was sort of the second life-changing moment for you, right? Sure. Yeah. We debuted five more minutes at the Opry and, uh, you know, it's a song that I loved. I, uh, that was my favorite song I've written at that point, and it wasn't released yet. But, you know, if you're going to debut a song, you know, you're going to debut at the Opry. What better place? Um, and, man, it's uh, – we sang it. It felt great. I mean, this was my first standing ovation ever at the Opry, and they, like, were standing for at least 30 seconds to a minute, it felt like. And, um, and then, the, like, once the Opry put it up on their YouTube channel, which wasn't long after, I woke up that next day. And it was like the number one trending topic on Facebook. I was like, what, what did I do? You know, if you, <laughs> normally if you don't know why you're trending, it's not a good thing, but, <laughs> but it was the five more minutes video they put up and it kind of took off from there. And how amazing was that for you personally? Because that was the song that you wanted the record label to put out before they eventually put out Southern bell that didn't do so well. So when you saw the success that five more minutes was having how much confidence did that give you personally in knowing that you knew who you were as a musician and you knew what you wanted your music to be and that that was what was going to be successful. Yeah. Uh, that was, you have no idea that that was 
huge for me personally um, because I believed in the song. And, you know, me and my buddies, we call Southern Bell Southern L now because it just didn't work and things went south pretty quickly after that. But um, I, I knew Five More Minutes was special. I knew the day we wrote it, we had something something cool there. Um, and then after the Opry and just seeing how people reacted, uh, the fact that that became my, my first number one single and, and it took me there, um, I was like, okay, like I, I know – what I want to say and how I want to say it at this point. I know what'll work for me. You know, every, every artist has their thing. Uh, at that point, I was kind of like, all right, I know, I know my thing and what will work. And so let's talk about the new album then same truck coming into this album. How much more confidence did you have after having the three number one singles off that album and coming into this one, were you pretty confident in what you wanted to say and how you wanted to say it? Yeah, I was. I think I got there. Um, we were making an album before the pandemic, and uh, I think everything is kind of cyclical. You know, you go through cycles in life, and uh, before leading up to that previous record that we kind of scrapped, I didn't feel like I was writing my best stuff. I was kind of sitting there thinking to myself, like, have I written the five more minutes? Have I written a This Is It um, for this record? And I wasn't seeing it. And we brought a lot of outside songs in because I just didn't think it was there. The pandemic, if I'm looking for a silver lining uh, in the awful circumstances, uh, it's that it gave me more time uh, to sit down with my guitar and write more songs and kind of put me in a, a headspace of gratefulness for the little things in life and reflecting on the last 10 years. And um, and then I think I've written some of the best songs of my life in the last year and a half. So that's the same truck record. And it's what I wanted it to be. And again, definitely a lot more confidence in the tank after what seasons changed and those songs did. And you had, I believe, 16 co-writers on this album. Now, how important is that to bring in so many different voices to allow you to write different songs and have those different emotions coming into them? I think it's huge. I think they can give you different takes on your thoughts and ideas and, and help you round it into a, uh, a song in a way that you wouldn't have thought just by yourself, you know, and I like to write with all sorts of different people. I've definitely got my core group that I think is um, has a, a good firm grasp on how I want to portray my songs and my thoughts and ideas. Um, but then you can try somebody brand new that you've never written with before and capture something. You're like, oh, wow, that's exactly what I wanted to say. And but just in a brand new way. And there's a few writers on this record that, you know, I've never written with before, like Red Akins and Lee Thomas Miller and um, a few different ones as well. That I was like Taylor Phillips. It's like, wow, y'all really helped me craft an idea in a different way than before. And out of the 12 songs, there's only two that you didn't write. Now, how many songs are you going through that are given to you coming into an album? Is there a lot or are you kind of just really picking and choosing what you want to listen to? Uh, it's countless amounts of songs. I mean, they, they come in every day and, and the label sending them, my publishing company sending them, my manager sending them. And everybody has their ideas of like, hey, this sounds like a hit or hey, this sounds like you. But, um, you know, nobody can really tell that until it gets to me. And I'm like, well, you know, for me to cut an outside song after as many songs as I've written now, it's got to sound like a song that I almost could have written. I have to believe it and I have to feel it. I have to love it. Um, and those two songs, it'll grow on you and damn straight definitely did that for me. And uh, damn straight, I think, is is a really a special one. So. Yeah, talk about that one, because I believe that George Strait was actually your first concert, was he not? 
He was. He was my first country concert. I, I did go to James Taylor when I was really young, but it was almost to the point where I don't even remember it because I was so young. <laughs> so I, I count George as my first concert. And, um, yeah, it was. It, I'm, if you're a country fan, you're a George Strait fan, you know, and, and he's been such an influence on me. He's at the top of the Mount Rushmore for for uh, country music. And I just think it's such a cleverly written song where it's it's your classic country heartbreak song, you know, but it's also paying tribute to the King. It's paying tribute to George Strait in the same time, in the same song. And I just, I think it's so well written. Uh, I freaked out when I heard it and I'm glad I get to sing it for sure. And one of the more emotional songs on the album is The Waiter. Now, is that a song that you wrote back in 2015? It is. I wrote this one with Frank Rogers, who I write a lot of songs with, and he produces my records and Matthew West. And um, Matthew came in that day and had been walking around a park and, and saw an old man that he thought was crazy. Like he, this guy was just talking. Like he, was just, he thought he was talking to himself. And he's like, what is going on with this guy? Um, but as he got closer and walked closer by him, he realized he was praying and he was kind of praying about his late wife. And um, so we kind of took that idea and, and morphed it into what the song turned into be at the restaurant. And uh, it's to me, one of my favorite songs I've written. I think it's really special. It, we were making an album for Universal. It didn't come out in 2015. And then the waiter it would have made that record. It didn't feel like it fit on the Seasons Change record with just the theme of that record. But I, I felt like this record it had a place at the table for sure. That's awesome. And you talked about writing with uh, Rhett Akins as well. Now, that's a song that you recorded in your last day of tracking, right? It just snuck in there? Yeah, I was... I was uh, writing with them and they got, I told them, I said, guys, we're cutting like tomorrow. I need this demo in. So they, they made a demo up and sent it over as quick as possible. And I was uh, working out in my home gym when they sent the demo over and I was flying to Nashville the next day to record. Um, and yeah, it's, I just fell in love with the song instantly. And it's that song is nineties country through and through, which reps the man to write those songs with. And, uh, but it's also like everything I've learned from my first three years of marriage is kind of packed into that song. And, uh, it's one of my favorites and I hope people love it as much as I do. Cause that's the one that I'm jamming to and I'm driving down the road right now. <laughs> and with your marriage, I know that pretty much all of the love songs that you write are influenced by your wife, but on this album, is there one song that really brings you back to her and really connects you with her emotionally? Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's quite a few, um, you know, to me, there's a song called Home that talks about kind of where I was at in life when, when I was, we were dating, but, you know, not married yet, living with my friends. And we'd be going out to the bars and stuff at, at night and hanging out till, you know, closing time. And um, But now it's like, hey, guys, I'll go out and have a couple with you. But, like, I got a, my beautiful bride back home. I'm going to get back and, and see her. And um, so that one, Small Town Girl as well, is, it's kind of a fun up-tempo one, but it's like, me and Gabi have been lucky to travel the world and, and see all these crazy things. But at the end of the day, she's, she's always going to be my small town girl, you know? So, yeah. And with your faith, I mentioned at the start that faith is a big part to this album. Now, faith isn't always something that is easy for people to talk about. And so how important is it for you to have that on your album and have that faith show through in a positive way? Yeah, I think it's humongous. I mean, faith is the biggest part of my life. And uh, if if I'm making records without that part in there, then I wouldn't be writing a record truly from my heart, you know. So 
um, we've got a couple songs on here. You know, How You Doing Up There is, uh, I think, just the perfect way to close out this record with just where we're at right now in life and the world. And um, it really book in the same truck, um, I think, really well, too. I think they go hand in hand together. So, um, but yeah, it's it's an important thing. And I love to share it. I love to talk about it. You're right. It's not always the easiest to talk about, but um, I think when you can, it's, it's a really nice thing. And now I wanted to ask you about the Opry. How many times have you played the Opry now? Oh man. Um, it's been a bunch over the years. I think if I lived in Nashville, it would be even more, but being in Carolina, it, it's, it's tough to get here and there all the time, but um, the Opry is a special place for country music for sure. And one of the times that you performed there, you were presented with the Order of the Longleaf Pine for exemplary service to the state of North Carolina and your community. Now, what did that mean for you being such a, you know, you love your home. Like you say, you haven't moved away from North Carolina to move to Nashville. So how important was that award for you? Yeah, that was that was a pretty cool day for me. Uh, the Order of the Longleaf Pine is is it's one of the highest civilian honors you can get in North Carolina. And uh, it's no secret I love my home state. My drummer always jokes with me like, when I retire, I need to go work for North Carolina tourism because it's just uh, it's a special place for me. So um, for them to recognize the fact that I always try and, and and get back to Carolina and give back to Carolina and and talk about it um, and do things for the state that that was that was really a cool day for me. Now, one uh, silly question I have to ask, I was going through your Instagram and there was a post from one point, I think it was a couple of years ago, you posted your snack, lunch, whatever it was. And it was a peanut butter, crunch berries, cereal and jam. Now I wanted to ask you about that. And if that is sort of a regular treat for you, putting cereal on your sandwiches. Um, I would say back in the day it was, and that, <laughs> That's a few years ago for sure. I love that. That's a great sandwich, by the way. You should try it out. The crunch berries, <laughs> peanut butter, and jelly. But it's been a few years since I've tried that one out again. But if I remember correctly, it's it is delicious. That's <laughs> awesome. And another fun one. What's the nicest golf course that you've played? You've played like every major course around the states now. What is the nicest that you've played? I mean, hands down, Augusta National. It it's uh it's like walking into the Emerald city from the wizard of Oz. You know, everything <laughs> is green. Uh, there's not a blade of grass out of place. The service there is, is second to none. Um, it, it's, it's so cool there. And to be asked to play there before a show or something, it never gets old. So, <laughs> and being such a big sports guy, what has it been like to be able to take your dad along on this journey to some of the huge sporting events that you've been able to attend? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, he was a huge influence to me growing up and sports was my second love to music, you know, and so I've gotten to take him to the World Series. I've gotten to take him to the Super Bowl. He's played at Augusta National with me. And so, um, you know, if I just did all these things by myself, they wouldn't be fun. I love to have, you know, friends or family along for the rides. So uh, it's been it's been awesome having him having him right there with me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Congratulations on the new album, Same Truck. It's available now. People can get it wherever they stream. Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm hoping this is just the beginning because I'm, I'm having more fun now than I've ever had. So uh, having a good time. I hope people enjoy it and appreciate you having me on, man. I, I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. 
Thank you once again so much for listening. And thank you to Scotty for stopping by and sharing his story. Be sure to check out his new album, Same Truck, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Thanks once again for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Thank you.